0: Hey I'm Sam Sanders here with my cubicle mate and dear friend, Melissa Kuypers. Say hi.
1: Hi, Sam.
0: What is your title?
1: Uh, Operations coordinator, NPR West.
0: So you coordinate connections and interviews and all kinds of stuff throughout the public radio network, which means that you have a very intricate understanding of what this network represents. And I brought you in here because you describe the network in a very special way. Tell us.
1: You know what's special? Seven-layer dip. Yes. And that's what we are. The public, public radio-, radio
0: network is seven-layer dip.
1: That's right. Well, let me explain. Uh-huh. So if we think of our listeners as the chip, yeah. they're going to consume this seven-layer dip. So you got your first layer, that's beans. That's mm-hmm. like our flagship shows. Yeah. Could you just dip your chip into beans? You could. It wouldn't be that satisfying. So then we got our sour cream. That's like our desks and our reporters. Mm -hmm. Then we have lettuce. That's newscast. Ah,
0: your vegetables. Let's see what you mean. Yeah.
1: Um, Then you have the cheese. That's our member stations. They kind of make it for everything. They bring it all together. Mm Mm-hmm. Then you got your guacamole, podcast. Yeah. Then you got your tomatoes and your olives. That's freelancers, contributors, sort of everybody else that... Makes us great.
0: So the thing about good seven-layer dip is it's not free and it doesn't pay for itself. No, it does not. So, listener, I'm asking you to be a good chip. Go to donate.npr.org slash Sam and support this seven-layer dip that is public radio Pay for that cheese. Support those local stations at donate.npr.org slash Sam Melissa.
1: Donate.npr.org Sam to be a good chip who supports the cheese through the guacamole.
0: Yes! Yes! Dude. Love it! All right. Thank you.
1: Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt daddy. This week on the show, NPR reporter... Camila Dominovsky, and NPR Senior Washington Editor and Correspondent, Ron Elving. All right, let's
0: start the show. Hey, y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Here, as Aunt Betty said, with two great guests, my dear friend, Ron Elving, Senior Editor and Correspondent for NPR Politics. Ron, it's been a long time in the making. It's been more than a minute. <laughs> Ron Elvin Also here with veteran of It's Been a Minute Camilla Dominoski, breaking news reporter for NPR Thank you both for being here I can see you both wearing your festive scarves We're scarved Happy, Happy holidays. holidays In the spirit of the holidays I am playing some Christmas music for you all right now So this song is actually a New Orleans Bounce remix of This Christmas by an R&B singer named PJ Morton, who I'm really, really into. He has a holiday album out right now that I've been playing all month, and I don't even like most holiday albums. Uh, And I'm playing, especially today, to tell our listeners uh, that I have an interview with PJ with a lot of music from his album in this show's podcast feed right before this episode. Um, He is someone who is giving the classics a new twist, like this version of This Christmas. Let's play a bit. Ron, Camilla, your favorite holiday songs go.
2: I, I gotta say, the one that still affects me most is "I'll Be Home for Christmas." PJ's got that on. His he does. Head. He does. Camilla,
3: uh, my family always welcomes Christmas with Dominic the Donkey. What is, is that? Oh my gosh! Wait, can we play Dominic the Donkey for Sam? Can we make that happen? I, I'm shocked. Producers,
0: I'm I mean, shocked. this is. Let's effective. do it. <laughs> Okay. Hey, it's is that the donkey, donkey? sound? <laughs> <down. laughs> you gotta sing along; it really helps. Okay. But you don't know all this purpose. song. Yes, it's <laughs> all-purpose Italian song, really. <laughs> How does the donkey save Christmas?
4: Here it is. When Santa visits his paisans with Dominic, he'll be because the reindeer can't climb the hills of Italy. Hey, it
3: makes no sense. The reindeer can fly.
4: So,
0: the
3: reindeer, are can like, why would reindeer cannot fly. In actuality,
0: Camila, reindeer cannot fly. I've never heard that song in my life, but now it's going to be in my life forever. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, usually, this is a part of the show where we each describe how our week of news felt in only three words, but because we have a very special guest this week, Ron Elving himself. Uh, and because it seems that there's one storyline sucking up more and more of every news cycle, I wanted to use this time for a new segment that I'm going to call Ask Ron. <laughs> okay, well,
2: I, I do have three words, though, actually, uh, oh, do for exactly what, yeah. I,
0: what I think we want to talk about.
2: And okay. the three words are, this feels different. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd think that the entire experience that we have had up to now with Donald Trump as president uh, has been unique and and special and and not like anything quite we've ever experienced before, but it has certainly taken a turn, and not just this week. The real change, I think, came on November sixth with the biggest win for Democrats in the House of Representatives since the Watergate election, just by chance. The Watergate election, uh, <laughs> and if you put that in presidential terms, it would be. Well, compared to the last several decades of our presidential
0: elections, it would be something of a landslide. So it does feel different. Um, and I want to use this Ask Ron segment to dig down on why. You know, we saw the president's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, sentenced to three years in prison this past week. Uh, for some time now, Trump has been having to deal with multiple investigations. In the last few weeks, we have seen more big revelations from two of those. Uh The special counsel investigation led by Robert Mueller and an investigation led by federal prosecutors in New York. Ron, you mentioned the election. Um, Why do these investigations and these storylines now feel different?
2: Well, first off, it takes time for these things to ripen. Uh, Watergate started uh, June of 1972. Richard Nixon didn't resign until August of 1974. The investigation that led to the impeachment of Bill Clinton in the 1990s uh, started years earlier in Arkansas. We have never had a president actually removed from office because no president impeached has been removed from office by a vote of the Senate. That takes two thirds. And no president has ever been impeached by a house majority of his own party which is Hmm. why november 6th matters so much because
0: the Dems are in power now in the house and they could probably do it camila do you have any questions for ron Uh,
3: yeah i have a question that sort of also connects to this big picture of things feeling different moment and that is is this normal and how do we tell this is something that was really you know eating away at me, bugging me. Um, it's old news now, but when John Kelly's uh, departure was formally announced from the White House, there was this really disorienting moment of like, wait, is this crazy chaos from this White House? Or is this like a normal routine thing that would happen with any presidency? And I feel like there's been so much wild news out of the White House that it's kind of hard to tell like when things are actually normal.
2: It's not unusual for a president to have more than one chief of staff in the course of a term. But it doesn't feel normal because they are going in such rapid fire fashion because they're being fired in a manner that uh, it uh, seems to defy all decorum. But of course, in the end, that doesn't really matter. It's just a stylistic thing. And uh, it has worked for President Trump to defy a lot of those conventions of how things are supposed to be done.
3: Is it hard to tell sometimes the difference between what's a difference in style and what's actually a difference in substance? I mean, me following along, my head just Mm spins half the time with all the political news.
2: Yes, and I believe it is extremely difficult to always know the clear line between what is style and what is substance. One of the reasons that the George H.W. Bush funeral was so heavily covered and so... Hey, geographic. you know, I mean, people were worshiping at the man's feet. I, I think that was all a little overdone. And I think one of the reasons it was overdone was because there is nostalgia for that style of doing politics that had to do with Donald Trump.
0: My question for you, Ron, I mean, one of many questions is the two big, I guess, you know, allegations against Trump are that one, he improperly used campaign funds to silence women that said that they were his mistress. And two, uh, he and his campaign had contact with Russians throughout the course of the campaign. And if you talk to Republicans, many of them will say, well, even if both of those things happened, they're not that big of a deal. Campaign finance is very complex and stuff happens all the time. And, you know, people talk to people all the time during campaigns because campaigns are big. How do we know How seriously to even take the two big allegations of what Trump and his campaign did wrong? Because a good chunk of the country says it's not a big deal. That's right.
2: And a big chunk of the country felt the same way with the last two presidential impeachments that we've had. Not to make light of what's going on right now at all, uh, but people thought at the time of Watergate that it was just all about a burglary, a third-rate bungled burglary. The White House, in fact, formally dismissed it as a third-rate burglary at the Mm -hmm. time. And of course, in the case of Bill Clinton, the general sense of the country at the time was, oh, come on, of course he lied. What do you expect him to say? Well... Ultimately, when you're talking to a grand jury or you're talking to a judge, that's perjury and that is a crime. And it's a serious federal felony.
3: We've been talking about elections and investigations and the turmoil at the White House. And I was wondering, Ron, if you could talk about what all of this means on a policy front. What's next for the Trump agenda, given this moment?
2: It's a distraction, obviously, as it has been for every president who's had scandal. Uh, It takes them away from focusing on the policies before them. And the most immediate thing for this president in this moment is that the federal government uh, has uh, six of its appropriations bills, seven of its appropriations bills that have not yet been done. And as a result, uh, big chunks of the federal government have to shut down on December the 21st. Uh, That would be Christmas weekend, (laughs) and and whatever else you may want for Christmas, no one wants a government shutdown for
0: Christmas.
3: Except President Trump, he'd be happy. He seemed to
0: have (laughs) said that he would own the shutdown if it happened. There was this moment this week where he's in the Oval Office with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, heads of his opposition party, and in front of cameras, he said, "If a shutdown happens and I don't get my wall funding, shut it down, blame me.
2: I'll take it. Okay, Okay, good. You know what I'll say? Yes." If we don't get what we want one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, Absolutely. And enough. I we am disagree. proud, and I'll we tell disagree. you what, I am proud to shut down the government
0: for border security, Chuck, because the people of yes, this country
2: security, don't want Yes, security, he control. said, meaning his full funding for the wall. Yeah. And the distractions of dealing with all these scandals are making it much more difficult for him to reach some kind of an agreement with the Democrats and with his own party
0: and keep the government open and resolve the border crisis. Speaking of Democrats, they are in a very interesting position. They did well in the midterms, but they've also been exceedingly cautious about what they will or won't say around the I-word, around impeachment. How aggressively will they pursue that, and when will we know if they will or not? And also, what policy can they hope to pursue in the midst of all of this as well? You know, they are also hampered by the other party still controlling the other chamber.
2: Yes. And they are also uh, hampered by the lack of total consensus on their own side uh, with what exactly they do want to pursue as policy. They would like to do infrastructure. Uh, They would like to do a number of things with respect to health care. There are many things they could even conceivably do with Republicans and with President Trump, including those two items, where things could be done to make the situation better. Uh, There could also be compromises with respect to immigration and border control. But impeachment is out there as something people talked about in getting elected during the 2018 campaign. It's something that's going to be demanded by activists in the Democratic Party and on the left, and that is going to be sorely tempting to respond to for Democrats in the House, and also for all those Democrats in the Senate who are running for president. And there's a passel of them. Exactly, already.
0: Already. This story, these stories, the investigations, they're so complex and they seem to be ever-evolving. For those listening that want to follow these storylines better, what should we watch?
2: The legal maneuverings that are going on in New York are probably the biggest, most immediate, imminent threat to Hmm. the president's legal status. More Um, than Mueller. More than Mueller because we don't yet know what Mueller is going to say about the central issue he was assigned to investigate, which is Russian collusion. But up in New York, they're already establishing crimes. Michael Cohen has pled guilty, been, been sentenced for making payments at the direction of individual one. Who there is no one else that that could be but Donald Trump. Yeah. So that means that the president is essentially being named as a person guilty of criminal acts, uh, sufficient to have already sent one person to prison Yeah. and, uh, and could involve others as well. And we're only beginning to unravel that particular case. Uh, And it's also important to watch the president's Twitter feed. I think people watching that will get a sort of temperature check.
0: You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was coming up. I catch up with a listener that I chatted with about a year ago. She and her family opened their doors to another family of five refugees. They are still there in the same house, and she tells me how it's going right now. We'll be right back.
5: Support for this podcast and the following message come from CLR Mold and Mildew Stain Remover. While you are going about your day-to-day life, making dinner or getting the kids to school, something's happening in the dark recesses of your house. Mold and mildew are growing, but you can fight back with CLR Mold and Mildew Stain Remover. It's tough on mold and mildew stains all around the house, and it works without bleach or harsh fumes. It even carries the EPA Safer Choice Seal. CLR Mold and Mildew Stain Remover, making the world a little cleaner. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Capital One. Here's Sarah Strauss, Head of Fraud at Capital One, on how the CreditWise app helps users take action after receiving one of its automatic credit alerts.
1: It's not just an alert, but it's also, here are the next steps that we recommend you do. And so hopefully that's giving our users the opportunity to feel empowered to go after the issue and resolve it.
5: CreditWise is free for everyone, whether you're a Capital One customer or not. You can find CreditWise in your app or Play Store now
3: cube-shaped wombat poop, an elevator to space, and a karate-kicking cockroach. I'm Mindy Thomas of NPR's Wow in the World podcast. And every Monday this December, we bring you all-new scientific wows to share with the curious kids in your life. Find Wow in the World on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two great guests, Camila Domenoski, breaking news reporter for NPR, and Ron Elvin, senior political editor, professor emeritus. What other titles? Be, Ron? <laughs> the man, the legend, the myth. The old guy. No, <laughs> Ron Elvin here in studio as well. Have you, either of you, finished your holiday shopping?
3: Oh, no, no, nowhere close. Oh, I'm having a... Okay, we had to bring that up. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I'm going to give myself the pep talk. Like, there's a whole, like, two more weekends. It's going to be okay. Um, Yeah, no, I'm not on
2: top of it. Well, I plan to get started this weekend. Wait, Wait. you haven't started yet? <laughs> when is Christmas this year? <laughs>
0: uh, it's on the 25th, I think. Okay, that wouldn't leave a whole lot of time with it. Not a lot of time. Anyway, <laughs> now it's time for a segment that we call Long Distance where we call up a listener from somewhere out in the country or the world and see what's going on where they live. This week, we're calling somebody back. Kate Miles shared a best thing with us late last year. She is from Portland, Maine. And when she called us last year, she and her husband had just taken in a family of asylum seekers from Burundi. Five people, two adults and three teenagers. Uh, Kate and her husband already had three children of their own but they welcomed these five people in and she actually told us about it last year.
6: It has been such an awesome week. <laughs> I went from having no kids in the local public school to three 10th graders. Oh my goodness. And I've learned all about that.
0: Those two we families are still kids living kids. together. So we wanted to see how the last year has gone for Kate and all of them. So we called her up.
6: So yeah, we are, we are very much a big old household of 10 people. Um, Oh, wow. Occasionally 11 to 14, depending whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, on who family those? being in town. Oh, okay. You know, we just, we, we've we got people coming through. There are, there are <laughs> people coming through.
0: Can I come visit?
6: Come on down. Come on up. Come on
0: over. <laughs> yes, yes. So there's a backstory yeah, so, uh, for um, all of this. Kate actually heard a radio news report over a year ago about refugees in gone, Europe. The uh, crisis and the, crisis in the story moved her. Kate the, networked, asked around... Um, And she ended up finding an older couple from Burundi that had been granted asylum. They were trying to find a bigger place to live and uh, help just kind of fit into America.
6: Um, With them came three kids who they are guardians for, um, a brother, a sister, and a cousin, who at the time were 15, 16, and 17. And our notion was that, oh, yeah, you know, you guys and and your three kids are, are welcome to live with us for a bit while you transition kind of to our town. But I think it's a remarkable undertaking to immigrate to a new country and mm. the amount of work it took to get them uh, enrolled in high school, which seemed to take like a week or two. That made me realize, holy cow, like this is a big undertaking. And then once we had high school in place, there were some medical things we had to get into place, getting primary care physicians, getting um, vaccinations sorted out. And as I was kind of facilitating these things um, on a very logistical and bureaucratical level, I was falling in love with everyone. Mm. Yeah.
0: And so we should point out here, you know, you you and your husband took in five people, but you and your husband already have three kids of your own. I guess my first question is, how do y'all all fit?
6: <laughs> We've got a big house.
0: Okay, um, how big? It. <laughs>
6: it's, it's, it's actually probably the size of plenty of people's houses. Um, I just had this moment of like, well, how often do we use the formal dining room? And so oh, wow. our formal dining room got turned into a bedroom. But I also did have to get a new hot water heater, a new toilet. <laughs> and um, okay. But, you know, I think that's kind of what I want us all to sort of think about is the reason I'm doing this, which seems kind of crazy, was I'm at capacity. Like, I work a full-time job, and my husband works a full-time job, and I'm spending all of my money on daycare. And I do not have hours in the day to give back to the community in a more traditional sense. So I kind of looked around and tried to figure out what resources I did
0: have. Wow. So then you and your family are white, in a very white state. Super white. Yeah. This family living with you is black. Um, Has that been hard to navigate or easier than you thought it would be? How is that working out?
6: Yeah. um, Our mailbox was hit the other night. Um, I came down the, the morning and saw our mailbox was hit. Was it a hate crime? Yeah, that was kind of all of a sudden going, I need to check in. Like, is this? What happened? Mm. Called the police um, and (laughs) was a drunk driver. Huh. But having those layers of thought. Just last night, I was talking to one of the teenagers, to Gene. Gene, he's a
0: 16-year-old. Yeah,
6: he's 16. And what does he do when he comes? He joins the lacrosse team. <laughs> he joins the football is, team. Okay. He is—he is occupying some very white spaces with a plum. He is okay. just, you know, leaning in and Mister Cultural Assimilation. But you know, I have to talk with him sometimes and say, you know, when your friends are doing weed, their stakes are different if they're caught,
0: hmm. and
6: the stakes for the people around them are different.
0: Mm-hmm
6: and it feels funny for me to be saying that yeah. to him.
0: Well, and also it's like you you had white kids and I suppose you never thought you'd have to give that talk.
6: Yeah, and I've given that talk and you know, we walk around the supermarket together and people turn their heads. And <laughs> we live in a, a liberal accepting town, but yeah. it's noticeable. Yeah. But I also think, well, whatever. I can set a tone about what my community is going to see as normal. This is now a mixed race, 10 person, American Burundian family who lives down the road from you. I need into a
0: screenplay. It. I need a screenplay. This is screaming theatrical release for me. <laughs> um, are, are there other aspects of the racial element of this whole thing that affect you personally? Like I can totally see this kind of plot line leading some folks to, I don't know, prop you up as like a white savior, which is, yeah, a thing that in itself is problematic.
6: Yeah, maybe it's because I work at a small private liberal arts college with a lot of social justice folks. I'm thinking about that a lot. Um, and yeah, all I can do is I I see the optics of it, but I also feel like, like Gene was saying, you know, um, to me last night, his life having met me versus the first few months in the States before he met me has kind of gone on a faster trajectory and I've got some privilege and I see it. And I'm using it, and I don't know what else I can do.
0: Yeah. So um, we're not just going to talk to you today. We actually have some of your new family near the phone as well. Who am I going to talk to right now? I
6: do. Yeah, you're going to talk to Blanche Nez. Blanche Nege is 18 and is not dressed for radio. She is dressed for television. Oh my gosh, I wish you could see her right now. <laughs> she is so
4: super stylish. So I love it. Here she is.
0: Hey, Blanche Nege, how are you?
4: I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm pretty good. I'm really excited to speak with you. So you're in school right now. What grade are you in school? 11. Do you like it?
4: Mm. Yeah, I really like it. I like the school. Okay, And they have, like, very good teacher so, yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you miss the most about Burundi?
4: Oh, I I miss my family.
0: Yeah, because your parents are still there, right? Yeah. Can you still talk to them?
4: hmm I still talk to my mom. I just have my mom only.
0: Yeah. What does she say to you?
4: Oh, she misses me, I know. I
0: know that. <laughs> I'm sure she does. Yeah. Now, I heard that on top of taking your classes at school, you're also in the fashion club?
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, what's that like? Tell me about <laughs> it.
4: I just learned how to make something, like dresses. So, I really like it.
0: Yeah. After high school, do you want to stay in America? Do you want to stay in Maine? Where do you want to go?
4: Well, because I just went to study more and in our country it's like it's not possible to study whatever you want or you what you want so i just went to study fashion designer okay did did i
6: hear you did i hear you ask a 18 year old girl what she wants to do with her whole life what I kind know. of pressure are you putting on this woman
0: i'm already like becoming like that that guy who's like put a hat on that baby's head and what are you going to do with yourself <laughs> like i'm that guy so what are you all up to this weekend i'll tell you
6: Oh, my God. What are we doing this weekend? I don't know. Oh, decorating the Christmas tree.
0: Well, I hope you write me back and let me know how long the gift exchange takes on Christmas Day, because that's going to be a long one. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. so great
6: talking with you, Sam. Likewise.
0: Bye. Many thanks to listener Kate Mile in Maine. Um, that was a sweet little story, huh? The remarkable thing is the spirit in that woman's voice. Yeah, yeah. I want to check in like in a few years with those teenagers mm-hmm. because they're still learning English, so they probably couldn't tell me everything that they're going through. And I know it's a lot. I mean, I'm at Burundi to Maine. I can't learning even. Learning <laughs> I can't even imagine. It's time for a break. When we come back, we're gonna play my favorite game. Who said that? Brb.
5: support for this podcast and the following message come from bombas bombas has re-engineered socks for ultimate comfort by getting rid of that annoying toe seam adding arch support and using some of the world's softest cotton And for every pair purchased, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. To date, they've sold and donated over 10 million pairs. To feel the Bombas difference, go to bombas.com slash minute for 20% off your first order. Support for NPR and the following message come from Hinge. Hinge is the dating app that's great at one thing, setting you up on great dates. And they're not just saying that. On Hinge, three out of four first dates lead to second dates. They are the number one mobile-first dating app mentioned in the New York Times wedding section. So if you're looking for a BFF, a job, a pen pal, or a hookup, Hinge isn't the place for you. Hinge is exclusively designed to get you out on great dates. Download Hinge in the Apple Store or Google Play.
0: Melissa Kuipers, I'm back with you right now because this seven-layer dip that is public radio has not yet paid for itself. Tell folks how they can give.
1: You can give by going to donate.npr.org Sam. Be the chip you wish to see in the world. Yes.
0: We're back, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two great guests today. Camila Dominovsky, breaking news reporter for NPR. Also here with Ron Elving, senior political editor and correspondent for NPR. You cover the politics stuff. And and have and have
2: for a very long time and can't seem to stop. There are worse addictions. Yes. Maybe
3: better ones too.
0: Yeah, that's true, that's true, it's true. Anyway, it's time for my favorite game. Who said that?
3: (laughs) Who said that? Who said that?
0: Basically, I share three quotes from the week. You gotta tell me who said it or get a keyword from the story, then you get a point. Uh the winner gets, as you know, absolutely nothing. Bragging rights. (laughs) Bragging rights, all the bragging rights. Um, oh, this one. Okay, you both are going to know this one, so it's all about who says it first. All right. Ready? The quote is, it goes to show you, you get into a tinkle contest with the oh, skunk, Nancy you Blizzle get tinkle right all over you. <laughs> yes, Ron. <laughs> we just spoke about it earlier who, who, in the show. <laughs> I, I mean,
2: I hope everyone was e- equally embarrassed at hearing her <laughs> use the word tinkle.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say it again, because I just love saying it. It goes to show you, You get into a tinkle contest with the skunk, you get tinkle all over you. (laughs) One, she called the president a skunk. She did. Two, she used the word tinkle twice. Well, we know how she felt when she left the White House. That was Nancy Pelosi uh, after she left a contentious meeting with President Trump and Chuck Schumer from the Senate. And in the aftermath, called the president a skunk. It's just... Anyway, Ron, you got that one. I, I, I got Point that to Ron. one. Point I got that one. Point to Ron. Uh, next quote. There's been times someone wants a picture, and while I'm doing a selfie, they're like, you're not dancing. Of course I'm not dancing. I'm walking down the street. Who said that? Who dances a lot that is in the culture in the zeitgeist? Someone who dances on their show. Ellen. Ellen DeGeneres. Yes, okay. Cam- Camila barely got it. So that was from Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, she had a New York Times profile run this week. And over the course of the profile, she basically says that she's kind of tired of being nice on her show.
3: It does seem exhausting.
0: And it's been like 16 years, I think. The smiling alone would be (laughs) exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And then
3: you add the dancing and it's just
0: too much. So actually, fun fact, she stopped dancing on the show two years ago, but people still expect it from her. Mm. But her big thing now is that she's thinking about leaving the show and she's also out with a Netflix special next week and apparently in this Netflix special it's like Ellen with an edge Ooh. oh well you
2: know she made Obama dance with her when she was first interviewing oh, the him. dad years dance years ago. it was a bad and, dance. and you can't unsee
0: that it's really his his elbows were so high it was just <laughs> not nice better than Theresa May though
3: You've seen her recent <laughs> oh I have <laughs> seen <laughs>
0: Theresa May dance politicians no, have should no not dance in, in, in her <laughs> no confidence vote in her dancing <laughs> All right. Uh, for the final quote, I think I want to just play the tape.
5: We ever been to the moon? No, nope. no.
0: Nope. They gonna come get us. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <Elon> <laughs> come Austin. Come Austin. Austin. Sorry, I am not want to second They even on the moon. You don't think so? Mm-mm. Who said that? Ron's close. I see you. You got you. Somebody was a it? Famous Steph Curry?
3: Athlete. Yes. So, I went to Davidson College. Steph Curry also went to Davidson College. I Wait, did believe... you guys overlap? Yeah, yeah. He's, he said hi to me like at least once. Really? Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, he's, he's, nice. very, he's
3: very polite. He says hi to everybody, yeah. Oh. He was nice.
0: This is Steph um, Curry, the uh, NBA championship winner plays for the Golden State Warriors. In a podcast interview this week, he apparently seems to say that he doesn't believe that we actually had a moon landing. And, yeah, there
2: are a lot yeah. of people. There are a lot
3: of people. And NASA was like, come on, come on over, dude. We'll like show yeah.
0: you. <laughs> a NASA spokesperson Person clapped back and said, "Feel free to come visit the space center, and we'll show you what we did." <laughs> he came back and said, "Actually, I was joking. Uh, sure, fine. Why would
2: you make that joke? Is it funny?
0: I mean, we're laughing at it. It's
2: true. And believe me, I have all respect for Davidson College." <laughs> But, but it is a slightly odd thing to say What are they the teaching at Davidson College? Yeah, it does. It does. Camilla, what, a, what are they teaching? It's a liberal
3: arts college. You know, he studied oh, sociology. It wasn't <laughs> necessarily quite so science-focused.
0: That's right. Blame it on the liberal arts. <laughs> Camilla, you won. Yay. She did indeed. That's all you're going to react with? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Congratulations. so happy you can fly to the
4: moon. She's dancing. <laughs> She's dancing. You could
0: fake flying to the moon is what you could do. All right, now it's time to end the show as we do every week. We ask our listeners to share with us the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. Let's take a listen. Brent hit the tape.
1: Hi, Sam. This is Lily calling from Nairobi, Kenya. And the best thing that happened this week to me is that I just finished recording the first episode of my upcoming podcast called Uproot with a live audience. Woo-hoo! inspiring me we love your show here in Nairobi
4: thanks Sam hi Sam it's Linda from Chicago the best part of my week is retiring after 42 years at the same company and looking forward to what's ahead
1: the best thing that happened
3: to me this week was finally getting my dissertation research published in an academic journal
0: the best thing that happened to me this week was my wife Juliana and I buying a home for the first time in the district of Columbia
3: The best thing that happened to me this week is that I just finished my last physical therapy session, five months after having ACL reconstructive surgery. Hi Sam, it's Moji. And Jory. And the best thing that happened to us all week is that we have been in the car through four days and with our two cats, and we finally made it to our new city, Seattle, Washington. Yay!
0: Hi Sam, this is Will in Anchorage, Alaska best thing that happened to me last week was riding out the 7.0 earthquake and nearly 3,000 subsequent aftershocks. It's been a marathon week for me as I've been working a lot of overtime to repair some of the damage in schools in order for them to
5: resume classes next week. That leads me to the best thing that happened to me this week, which is that I just got off work and now I get some time off to spend with my wife and two young daughters.
2: My name is John, and I'm the band director at Germantown High School in Wisconsin, and this is the band. The best part of my week is during Friday band classes. In class, we listen to the best part of my week on the podcast, and then the students share the best parts of their week. We celebrate lots of good test scores, college acceptance letters, siblings coming home to visit, and all the great things these kids do every day. I have been intimidated to send my own to the show, and if we hear this, it is because my students gave me the courage to actually hit set... Thank you for bringing this to our world.
0: Whoa! And they are playing on Wisconsin. Playing. Whoa, this is so amazing. As a former and always band nerd, this warms my heart so. That is fabulous. I love it. Thanks to all the voices you heard there Lily in Nairobi, Linda, Christy, Zach, Melissa, Moji and Jory, Will, and John and the entire band. All right, listeners, we listen to all of these that come in every week. Keep sharing your best things of any week. Give Send it to us at any point during the week. Email me a file with the sound of your voice to samsanders at npr.org, samsanders at npr.org. We're going to go out on Mr. P.J. Morton, who has a really good holiday album, uh, and this song is on it. Thanks again to my guest, Ron Elving, senior politics editor, correspondent, and Man About Town at NPR. Also, Camila Domenoski, breaking news reporter for NPR, covering all of the things. Thank you both for doing this. Of course. Thank you, Sam. It's a real pleasure to be with you. This week, the show was produced by Brent Bachman, Anjali Sastry, and Alex McCall. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson. Our fearless editor is Dana Hochman. And our big boss is NPR senior VP of programming, Anya Grundman. Listeners, refresh your feed Tuesday morning for my chat with, drumroll, Jennifer Lopez, Jenny from The Block. Uh, I interviewed her in person. We talked about her new movie, her career, and the one time Penelope Cruz convinced her to not stop singing. All right, till next time, happy holidays. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. My world is filled with